You only have so much time. And you have a big assignment. I want the entire world to hear the gospel in my generation. I want every person on this planet to be saved. We open God's Word today together to be subject to it, to be taught by it, to be instructed. Let's go. What you're saying right now is, how did we get here? Well, because people do not believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, that's where it is. Yep. Being Reformed is more than just affirming the five solas. It's more than just affirming Tula. No one is outside the reach of Christ and His blood. If we are truly Reformed, there should be a sanctification, a desire to be sanctified by Christ, by holding onto as tight as we can the one who makes us white as snow. You can no more born yourself again than you born yourself the first time. Just so that you guys don't think we're just pulling stuff out of our cans here. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Matter of Theology, the place where theology matters because everything is a matter of theology. My name is Chris. I am one of your hosts. Uh, matter of Theology is a podcast production where we seek to address church and cultural issues from a biblical standpoint. Our desire of course, is to bring biblical truths regardless of what the popular movements, governments, or cultures of the day may teach. Uh, on behalf of my brother, Drew Von Nita, who cannot be with us um, on this episode, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, uh, Drew and I are hard at work preparing for um, uh, the next episode that we will do together. Um, and it was going to be on the Spirit-led church, the true Spirit-led church. And and just to give you a little background there, um, the true Spirit-led church is one that elevates and points to Christ and operates according to His Word. Spoiler alert. Um, so we're going to get around to that one, but he and I have been talking and praying and just kind of observing what we're seeing in, in the whole of the professing evangelical movement, and we really want to do one on the sovereignty of God. Um, so that is what will be coming next. Uh, however, on today's episode, we have a very, very special guest, um, a man who has been uh, a friend from afar for a little while now. Uh, he is the pastor of Grace Life Church in Edmonton, Canada. He is uh, married to his bride, Aaron, who has been a guest on Matter of Theology and is a dear friend. Uh, they have two sons, and um, uh, our, our guest today, he graduated with his MDiv and Doctorate of Ministry from the Master Seminary, um, which of course is housed uh, at Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, California, and the, is the co-author of the book that just released, God versus Government, subtitled, Taking a Biblical Stand When Christ and Compliance Collide, which he co-wrote with Dr. Nathan Busnitz. He is the Executive Vice President and Provost there at TMS. A huge welcome to my friend and brother, Dr. James Coates. How are you, bro? Good, man. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you spending this time with me. Man, appreciate you spending the time with, with us, man. Um, so, man, our, uh, our, our friendship has been one um, that, uh, that, that was started you know, through just social media, um, which you're not on. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I don't even remember really how, um, Aaron and I started following each other. I think it was, she was a guest on, uh, the bar podcast 
um, and listened to that and, and was just moved by her story. And uh, we started following one another. She started listening to Matter of Theology. Um, and uh, somewhere along the way, uh, a, a conference happened where I preached and BB1 Chris, the nickname was born, <laughs> um, came into existence. Um, and, and then there was a whole lot more that we're going to get into, um, that just that uh, the Lord used to strengthen, um, the relationship that, that, that I have with you guys. Um, and then you and I finally got to meet face to face this past October, um, at the, uh, 2021 G3 national conference, um, that was held here in Atlanta. Um, so yeah, bro, uh, everybody's caught up now <laughs> as far as, uh, as far as, uh, as far as you and I go, um, so, man, um, why don't you, man, if you, I would love for you to take a moment and just kind of, uh, man, just tell everybody your testimony and, and how, how the Lord saved you and how you and Aaron met um, and that, because that is, that is a wonderful story um, as well. Yeah, well, oddly enough, I got saved in an alpha course, and that's noteworthy if you know what the alpha course is, yep. um, but my, my story goes back to growing up in a non-Christian home. My parents divorced when I was six years old. And I lived a very typical worldly lifestyle and uh, lived for sports and my social life and everything that goes along with that. And then in the years of high school, things began to kind of progress as far as my depravity was concerned, began to party and drink and dabble a little bit in the drug scene. And, uh, and then that developed more so into the nightclub scene and, and weekends and everything else. And then when, when, went away to university and went to a school known for being a party school and uh, was again, just living for the weekends, living out all the desires of the flesh and uh, all the while my conscience testifying. That's really an amazing thing. Even going back to as early as uh, grade eight, my conscience was active. Mm. And I had no idea what the conscience was and what it was doing and, and why I felt the way that I did after certain things. But, um, you know, I just kept hitting the snooze button on it, but it would keep coming back by God's grace and, mm. and testifying against me. And, and the wheels had really fallen off for me, I'd say, in my fourth year of university. And my mom had gotten saved that year. And so we're talking like 2003. and. Uh, and so she, we were on the phone together and she had just asked me to take the alpha course. And I'd, mm. I'd always been, you know, open to God, believed in God, would have even told you that I had a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you know, yeah. but just like rejected the church and right, uh, right. religion, you know? And I mean, I was as dead in my trespasses and sins as one could be. And uh, so so anyway, I was open to it. So she asked me to take the course and, and the course started like fall, September of 2003. And, mm -hmm. and it was in the video, Why Did Jesus Die? That in my estimation, it was the first time anyone had ever explained the gospel to me. Wow. And because there was already conviction over my life and because, you know, there was... Um, well, just because of God's work in my life at that point, opening my eyes to, to my need for Christ and, and his, his glory. Um, yeah. I believed on him 
in that moment when given the opportunity at the end of that video. And, uh, and so that was the moment that I was saved. And, you know, my life didn't like drastically transform in the outward sense mm-hmm. right away because I wasn't being discipled. And if you know mm-hmm. anything about the alpha course, it's anti-discipleship. Oh yeah. Um, yep. So, so I was asking really clear and pointed questions and getting the wrong answer because the, the one who basically facilitates the discussion in the group isn't supposed to answer questions. So right. you pose a question and they basically like shift the question to somebody else in the group. And then they tell you what they think. And, and, you know, if that person's older and, and, and that person seems to be someone who's actually in the church and they're answering that question and you've got no info, you take that as authoritative. And, right. uh, so I was getting bad answers. And so initially it was kind of just, you know, one foot in the church, one foot out. But again, you know, the conscience being active, the spirit being active, I knew that things weren't right. And, mm. uh, and so I ended up actually taking the alpha course a second time. And, <laughs> uh, and then out of that, I pursued baptism and it was really the pursuit of baptism and being baptized. That's really when things uh, began to drastically change in terms of my commitment to the local church, my service in the local church, my, my, my pursuit of holiness, all of those things. So my baptism really, I think functioned the way a baptism is supposed to, it's supposed to be an outward reflection of that inward reality, but a necessary step of obedience. Yep. And, um, and so the Lord used that to really be the catalyst to, to put me on the, the course that I am now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, and then over time, I ended up being at a, a leadership summit. So we're going from Alpha right. to Bill Hybels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Bill Hybels preaches this sermon, if you can call it that, right. where he basically <laughs> brings the, the whole thrust of it to a desire to be used by God. And I had this Mm. overwhelming desire to be used by God. And so at the end of that session, I prayed, Lord, use me, you know, and I knew that something significant was happening and, and, and that there was this desire that was strong and compelling. So I went to the prayer room and, and told the prayer folks about that. And they were like, well, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, what, what anyone would say at that point in time, go to Africa or something, you know, So obviously like desire is there, but needs to be crystallized in terms of what that desire is. Now I knew I needed to go and take some step toward, you know, seeing this desire come to fruition. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I committed to the Lord that I would take a course in a seminary in Toronto called at the time Tyndale college and seminary, okay. not a very good school at all, but I took a course called, uh, systematic theology one and uh really you know enjoyed it enjoyed theology it was amazing because you know in that class uh we were talking about the doctrine of election and in my estimation in terms of theology proper one of the things that you learn about god early on in a pretty watered down christianity is that Mm -hmm. god is outside of time right and that that idea really sets the table for an Arminian soteriology. That's right. So, so I'm in class and we're talking about the doctrine of election and, and I'm like, wait, 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 what if God, though, 
be, uh, being outside of time, looked down the corridor of human history, saw all who would believe and chose them on the basis of that. Open theism at that point. <laughs> well, yeah, and just like and just Armenian theology, really. Right. Right. right, without, right. without anyone ever. So and everyone in the classroom's like, whoa, <laughs> man, like that is some good stuff, you know? And so here I am just like feeling like a million bucks, you know, wowing everybody with my theological prowess and everything like that. Meanwhile, I'm just articulating Armenian theology. Right. And, you know, it's it's been around for centuries. Right. Right. It's 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 unbiblical. I mean, I yes. told Aaron about it. You should have seen me in class today. Anyway, I'm giving you the long story here, Chris. So, you're good. You're good, brother. Go, go, go. So anyway, um, you know, over time, uh, really began to be impacted by John MacArthur's ministry. It was uh, mm. so when he he did a he has a series on the doctrine of election. So we heard that on Grace to You and that rocked my world. Yeah. Um, you know, like when, when I couldn't, I couldn't argue with it because he was just preaching the Bible. That's it. But, but when that came, like I was internally affected because now God was way bigger than I mm. estimated and yeah. he didn't need me, Amen. did not need me. So, mm. so I was, I was wrestling, like couldn't reject it. Um, wrestling with it and then by the end of the week i was a cage stage five-point calvinist you know <laughs> right. needing to be tempered <laughs> and uh anyway it was through macarthur's ministry that things really began to crystallize i wanted to preach the word i wanted to exposit the scriptures i knew i needed to be at his school and have his convictions shape my life mm. and so it was through his ministry and grace to you that TMS became the only school on the planet that I could attend. And, and then the Lord just graciously provided the way to get there and make, make wow. it all possible. So, um, so yeah, there's my kind of testimony called a ministry, you know, Aaron Love and it. I met on, uh, on a Sunday at church in um, October of 2005. Mm -hmm. And she approached me about serving on uh, in the youth ministry and uh, I mean, I was saying yes to everything at that point in time. I was like right. tech team. I was on security. Uh, <laughs> Just sign me know. up for all of it, man. Yeah, I, and it, I had to pull back. It was too much. And so, um, so yeah, so I, I, we got connected that way. And and I was at the youth event that evening. And from there, it's almost like we were inseparable. And mm. uh, and the Lord, you know, worked to bring us together in marriage and uh yeah yeah wonderful story what i want to do i i want to put a link to her podcast um that she did with with Dwayne atkinson um where she shared her story and and of course how you know how you guys met and uh you guys need to listen to that if you've never heard that um incredible story of god's god's sovereignty and grace and um amazing am amazing story so um well, brother, uh, I, I want to get into this book, um, and uh, and man, look, I, I could not put this down. Um, Thirty six hours after I started it, I was done, and I, I could, I, I couldn't. Um, now I started it before leaving for the Shepherds Conference, and so I, I took it with me with the high hopes that, hey, man, I'm going to have some time. I'm going to read this, and then no, that no, didn't happen. Um, so, but uh, but man, part of um, 
part of that, the reason I couldn't put it down is because of my, my friendship with you and being invested in, in what the Lord had been doing in and through you guys at Grace Life. Um, and then the many others at, at Grace Community Church, who, who I know as well. Um, and another part was just the way the book was written, man. Um, you guys detail out that in the introduction. The focus of the book is, is one that is, is, is needed. It's a needed focus in the life of every professing believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So brother, can you talk about that? Um, man, wh- why did you guys write this book? Well, we, we were convinced the stories needed to be told. Uh, the stories themselves provide really compelling illustrations of what it looks like to be resolved and yeah. committed to the headship and lordship of Christ over his church, even in the Amen. face of government oppression. So we thought, the stories themselves were incredibly important. But then beyond that, the church clearly needs a framework to be able to think through when it's appropriate to practice civil disobedience. And it's obviously, mm. it's a muscle we haven't worked. It's an right. area of theology that we haven't been forced to dot I's and cross T's on. And that's what's happened over the course of the last two years is yep. we've gone to work and we've looked more closely at this piece and we've um, we've been able to to solidify uh, a proper understanding of Romans 13 and and the proper biblical response to government overreach. What's amazing about that, and this came out of the Shepherds Conference, is that the stand that John MacArthur took at Grace Community Church is consistent with what he's preached going back into like the 70s. Yep, you know that yeah. that. Romans 13 is not a blank check given to government that calls us to be submissive unless they keep us from preaching the gospel or, you know, something so, you know, um, unrealistic and theoretical as that is. He's uh, it's just that we've never really been in a context where we've had to address the other side of the coin. Right. 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 We've, we've been talking about the need to submit because that's kind of been the context that we've been in. Well, now the context has changed. The landscape is right. changing and, and it's not simple enough to just address the submission side of the coin. We have to now be more careful to define when it is that we need to, um, to defy the governing authorities. So the book addresses that. Mm-hmm. And again, critical need in the life of the church, especially as we move forward. I think, you know, Nathan Busnitz has described this as a dress rehearsal. Absolutely. Or what's to come. And I yep. think he's bang on with that. Yes. And I think a lot of churches miss the mark on the dress rehearsal. And I think they'll, they'll come to the party later on, Lord willing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at that point in time, it'll be kind of like, you know, they'll look at us and say, we were early. We'll look at them and say you were late, but it won't matter a whole <laughs> right. lot. Right. But, um, but I think, uh, yeah, it's critical dress rehearsal. And this, this book helps to kind of, uh, set the tone for what's likely on the horizon. Yeah. Amen, brother. I mean, one of, one of the things you guys say in the introduction is, is our thesis is simple. When Christ and, and compliance collide, we must obey God rather than men and, and citing Acts 529. Um, and that, that says in, in the legacy standard Bible, but Peter and the apostles answered and said, we must obey God rather than man. And I think you, you hit on something crucial here. It's, it's, it's not a muscle that, that the church has ever, the church here, the Western church in, in the United States and, and there in Canada, we haven't really had to, to work that muscle. 
Um, we, we, we know it's there, but we don't know how to use it. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. And I agree with Nathan as well. This is what we've seen is just a dress rehearsal. Um, and, and scripture speaks to that. Scripture speaks to, to, to that and being ready and the, and the times will get worse. So, um, well, brother, one, um, the other piece of this, uh, as far as just my personal uh, in, enjoyment of the book, honestly, is, is when I got to your portion that, that you wrote specifically about what you guys went through um, at Grace Life. I was, I was edified. I was admonished um, by your vulnerability and, and your honesty when you detail out what you went through personally. Um, and I, and I knew one side of it, right. I, I knew, I, I knew this side because of the friendship with, with, with Aaron and as things started to heat up for you guys and you specifically, um, you know, she would, she would keep us up to date and in the loop. And so, so we knew how to be praying. Um, and man, I'll never forget, um, in February of, 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 you know, last year when, when she sent me the messages saying, you know, you were arrested and then the trial and, and how quickly that happened. And, um, so when reading that account, I was remembering what, you know, the messages that she sent and actually went back and read them. Um, and, and it was brother, I I'll be honest with you, man. I was, I, it made me emotional. Um, you know, reading your side of it and then, and then, you know, reading what, what, what she was, what she was telling us. And so, um, and, and we're going to get into that. Um, and, um, but, and as, as we start to move towards that, one of the things, um, that, that I heard and saw, as I know a, a great many did, um, when posting what was happening with you on social media, one of the responses that we saw was, well, all he had to do was follow the rules like everyone else. And then he could just go home. You know, all he had to do was, was sign the paper and agree to it. Even if he didn't actually do it, all he had to do, all he had to do, that's, that's, that's what, that's all we kept hearing, um, or some sort of variation of that. And so what took place there at Grace Life during this time you know, I, I said this, and, and and I want to repeat this here. It exposed for many an extremely anemic view of God and the importance of His church to the believer. Um, so I, I'd love for you to expound on something, brother. Um, so um, the third component that you mentioned um, that you wrote about in your doctoral project for TMS, um, in, in which the expositional preaching of God's word mediates His presence among His people. And, and truly highlights the importance um, of the physical gathering of the saints. Um, so for those who haven't read the book or that doctoral project, which is excellent, by the way, um, could, you, uh, could you unpack that for us? Um, and, and, then, and then maybe even talk about what you found as you're doing that doctoral project um, and the timing of that doctoral project that you did for what was coming next. Well, the, you got to start with the, the notion that is revealed in scripture that the, the, the absence of the word of God is the absence of God. Mm, um, amen, bro. That's critical, right? So yeah, a that's famine huge. in the land for the hearing of the word of God is an absence of God. And, and when you understand that God's word is his uh, voice, mm -hmm. that when the word of God speaks, he speaks. That's right. Um, you begin to understand that the word of God is that which mediates his presence. And, and the, 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 the textual reference for that would be first Corinthians 14, where Paul creates a hypothetical situation where everyone in the congregation is prophesying in language intelligible to the hearer. 
And then the unbeliever comes into the gathering and, and confesses that God is certainly in your midst. He's cut to the quick. He's brought under conviction. Mm. He's aware of the holiness and righteousness of God because his word is present. Amen. And, and he, he declares that God is certainly in your midst. And so the, the word of God is that which mediates his presence among his people. And so when we, you know, Luther called the pulpit, the throne of the word of God. Amen. And, yeah. and so when we open up the word of God and we're faithful to the meaning of the scripture and we preach the, the true meaning of the scripture to God's people, we are mediating the presence of God to them. That's right. And, and he is in our midst. And so that becomes critical because when you, when you bring God's people together who are already indwelt by the spirit, plus you compound that with the reality that the spirit dwells among his people that collectively mm-hmm. were the temple of God. And then you bring the word of God and you have an individual who's filled with the spirit, who preaches that word, the spirit energizes it in the hearts of his people. The presence of God is mediated and then, and then, you know, following that, that structured portion of the gathering, you then unleash all of the means of grace that have just been ministered to the body on the body itself. And the yeah. body begins to minister one to another. There is a spiritual dynamic that takes place at that time that cannot be replicated. Amen. Through a virtual reality. That's right. It cannot be replicated. And, um, you know, it's funny because you can get into funny ways of of illustrating how the virtual world does not work like a virtual date night with your wife or you know <laughs> virtual physical intimacy it doesn't right. work nope it's impossible and and mm. there are physical realities that are connected to the spiritual reality of the gathering that yep. cannot be uh disconnected from uh from them so amen yeah. brother amen wow very very well said um very, very well said. Um, w- one of the, you know, one of the things that I, um, I, I loved my, my, one of my favorite quotes from, um, the, the, the doctoral project that you did, you said this, you said, quote, if the congregation is responsible to respond to the voice of God in his word, how much more the one through whom the word comes a faithful preacher of the word will naturally preach a standard of godly living that even when, even when he comes short of, nevertheless, he is above all, uh, he, I'm sorry, excuse me. Nevertheless, he above all must be an effectual doer of the word. Um, and, and brother, the, the quote from that, I, I mean, it, it highlights for those who have, it highlights those who have truly been called of God and understand the weightiness of their task as the preacher um, versus the one who simply get, you know, get, gets called up to give their country club Ted talks. Um, and ones that I, I think were so quick to shut down for an entire year and, and, and not even entertain any other, any other thing. I mean, they're the same ones who say we need to unhitch portions of the Bible or that 66 ancient books don't matter. It's all about the person and work of Jesus Christ. But, um, but brother, I thought that quote from, you know, from what you wrote in your, your, your work at TMS, I thought that um, we got to see that play out in real time um, when you guys went through what you went through at Grace Life um, before you're, you were arrested. Um, and then even after, as the government came and triple fenced your building, um, 
you know, we, we saw, we saw that, that, that resolve and that conviction brother. So again, the timing of what you, the, the work that you did for TMS and then what happened to grace life is impeccable. It's, it can only be described as the sovereignty of God and what he was preparing you to walk through, what he was preparing your bride to walk through, what he was preparing your elders, your congregation, the community around grace life to walk through. Um, brother, I mean, you just, you look back now and you see this and, and just blown away at, at the sovereignty and the providence of God. Um, so, so brother, what, let, let's talk about what happened when the lockdowns first took place um, in, in, in the early spring of 2020, how that, you know, how that affected your congregation based on what you just said, as far as the word being mediated and then going out and, and applying that mediation uh, to the one another, man, t- talk to us about that, man. Um, what, you know, what, what was that like for you guys? Well, it was difficult. I mean, as a leadership, it was challenging because I mean, we were, trying to shepherd people we couldn't see, couldn't be right. with, you know, I, I, I tell in the book that I preached John three sixteen to an empty auditorium, you know, mm. I mean, that's just not what you would expect when you think about preaching John three sixteen for the first right. time in your preaching ministry, that it's going to be an empty auditorium with people mm. that you're speaking to through a camera. Um, but it was tough for our people. There were certainly folks in our congregation that felt isolated. They were, not married, didn't have children. And, you know, their, their ministry in the body is critical. Um, I think right. of, for example, uh, the, the, the woman that spearheads the, the children's ministry in our church, and she just loves the children. She, she teaches the children. That's like, you know, her favorite day of the week. And she couldn't, mm. she couldn't minister to the children. Uh, she, she, she didn't, she's not married. Um, so she's on her own and, and feeling isolated from the body. You know, stories like that, that uh, made it, you know, just really challenging for a lot of folks, Uh, you know, from a shepherding perspective, you just don't know how people are doing. And, you know, you'd go and your week would kind of be sort of similar in a sense to what it might, might, might otherwise be. But then you would go to church in your suit, preach the word, come home, hang up your coat. And yet there's hardly any interaction with the people that you're caring for. And, uh, really an incredibly challenging thing as a shepherd, difficult for the people. And, you know, our, we had people that were ready to open sooner than we did. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're, we're already skeptical of the way the government was using the pandemic and everything yeah. else. Um, so it was, it was, it was a challenge and we, we complied for, you know, the first uh, couple of months or whatever, whatever it was, you know, from March till June. Yep. I mean, and I, I say complied. I mean, they told us not to sing at times. We weren't going to not sing. Uh, we, we, we sang. Uh, there's no way I'm going to tell a person they can't sing. You know, they can make their own decision about that. Right. You know? Amen. Um, and uh, I, I certainly wasn't not going to sing, you know. Right. Um, right. So, so there, you know, we weren't in total compliance, but we were complying with the, the capacity limits because, um, you know, that, that was the most obvious thing that, you know, from the outside of the building, looking in that you're going to be able to assess and evaluate whether or not we're in compliance. Right. And, uh, so that's just kind of how we navigated it. And then we, we, um, you know, I preached a Romans 13 sermon, a Hebrews 10, um, you know, it has verse 25 in it, that whole paragraph there, I think 19 yeah. to 25. And by that point we were ready to open and we, uh, we opened our doors and, and our people began to come back. 
Yeah. Yeah, man. And, and what, you know, what walk us through that process as far as you guys opening back up? Um, you know, I mean, cause, cause obviously when, when the pandemic started, we're all told the same thing. We're all told millions of millions of people are, are going to going to die from this and we're going to be affected by this. And so, um, you know, you, you guys were, were going off of the same information that everybody had. And then, um, man, so that, that process of opening back up and, um, and, and what, what was that like for your elders? I mean, um, as far as, as far as making that decision and, um, what, what did that entail? By the way, let me just say this hypothetically, if it were the, the converse where, you know, there were millions of people dying. Yeah. Reality is that would have happened lockdown or not. That's right. And, and if you've got all of these people dying at that, at that clip, should the church so not be open? I mean, like that, like that. So no matter how you dice it, whether whether the severity is low or truly high, the church right. should be open because yep. you're not going to go and let people die without without being able to go somewhere where they can have hope, you know, and right. be ministered yep. to from the word of life. So it's amazing. Either way, no matter how you cut it, the church should have been open. And, uh, and you know, now that we've had the, the dress rehearsal, we can you know, the next time a uh, quote unquote pandemic comes along, we can, right. we can see to navigate that uh, with some, some experience now in our, in our toolbox. But um, you know, the, the discussions as an eldership were pretty smooth sailing. It wasn't a lot of um, friction. Nobody was blowing tires. There, there weren't fireworks. Um, you know, I think by the time we were ready to open up, uh, we were ready as a leadership yeah. to do that. Yeah. And it just kind of, from my vantage point, I was amazed at how smooth it was, you know, like it, it just, I preached Romans 13 and it seemed like we were ready. And then I preached Hebrews 10 and that just kind of solidified it. And so it it didn't take a whole lot at the elder board level to get to the place that we were ready to open. It wasn't like a big, long drawn out discussion. Those came later in the heat of our battle. Yeah. But as far as opening up when we did, uh, my recollection is that that was a pretty smooth uh, effort. Yeah. 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 And those two, um, the, the sermons, um, I'm going to put links to those um, where, where people can go listen to those on, uh, on YouTube, putting government in its place. Um, and then uh, the, the sermon from Hebrews 10 is called is a title to call to persevere. Um, and man, the, the, those two sermons, uh, brother, I mean, you, you know, you, you were faithful to the word and, and, and you mentioned that the preacher's responsibility again, in, in that doctoral project that you wrote, the preacher's responsibility to be faithful to the text that you preach the text, you don't, you know, uh, regardless of whether it's topical or, or exegetical verse by verse, you preach what the text says. Um, and so, and, and you did that. Um, and, and you guys opened back up. So let, let's move into now in 2021, uh, well, the end of 2020, um, with the first time that the RCMP showed up, um, and AHS, AHS was there. So what brother, you detail it out in the book, but man, what, what was that like for you pulling into church that day? Yeah, it was nerve wracking because, uh, we knew they weren't there. They weren't, they weren't there to worship and, <laughs> um, you know, just kind of, I think, you know, I was probably getting texts on the way to the building, you know? As far as like, because we we had a plan to try and keep them out, yep. and uh, and it failed miserably, and uh, <laughs> and so I probably had like 
a text like they're here and they're in, you know, and so I, but, but still like pulling into the parking lot and seeing their vehicles present was uncomfortable to say the least. And yeah. it's interesting because I had had an idea prior to that Sunday of what I would do should that happen. But I like, I had forgotten what that was. Now, prior to our service, we actually go into this little room next to our stage, mm-hmm. myself, typically pastor Jake, and, and, and the music team and we, and we pray together. And yeah. so I, as I recall, we prayed, the music team went out and I'm in that room going like, what am I going to do? <laughs> and, and it dawns on me, oh, I know what I'm going to do. We're going to give them a standing O and, and, Love and it. I'm going to, I'm going to minister the gospel. Amen, so, brother. So I get up and just explain that we've got the RCMP present in our gathering. They're up in the balcony looking down with AHS. And I just said, you know, I'd like us to stand and show our respect for law enforcement. So we stand and just give them a, a hearty uh, ovation. And, uh, and then I give the gospel mm-hmm. and it just kind of set the tone. I mean, it, it, I think the, the law enforcement guys appreciated it. And, uh, and our congregation needed that. Yeah, because I, there were some in their hearts in that moment. There was fear. There was anger. Yeah, and, sure. Uh, and that just kind of like shifted the whole thing at that particular point. So, um, amen. So, yeah, praise the Lord for just kind of putting that on my mind in that moment to do that. And uh, yeah, we just did that continually throughout that time. There did come a point where, um, like, I think when when I had gotten out, and I'll jump ahead here jump ahead here for a moment. Yeah, go when for I got it. Go out and I was back for the first time and had they gotten in, uh, they would not have gotten a standing O that day. Yeah. No. Um, and, uh, and that's just, I think, I think it would have been inappropriate and, and, and disingenuous because at Agreed. that point in time, it was evident that they were not doing what they should be doing. No. That they should be opposing those above them. They should be, you know, practicing the doctrine of the lesser magistrate and, and telling their, their commanding officer, no. So anyway, um, but we did well, and that. what they were doing, what, what they were doing as well was a violation of, of one of their criminal codes, right? One of the criminal codes that you guys have there. Yeah. Section 176. Um, they were, they were in violation of it and the courts did not support us in that. So in my <sighs> first phase of my trial, uh, the, the ruling judge, you know, basically didn't allow section 176 to, um, to, to be triggered by their present in that, their presence in that context. And that's, you know, tied to the public health act and, and everything else. Um, so, you know, the court systems have, uh, the system has failed us here in this country for sure uh, at every point thus far. And we expect it to continue to. Yep. Yep. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, and I know you you mentioned after the the Romans thirteen sermon, um, uh, you know, directing. I think that was putting government in its place. That that was one of the first times that you had uh, dinged the pulpit, um, in 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 a moment of of proper unction. So go go ahead. Well, yeah, it was it was the time has come. Yeah. Uh, so that was oh, okay. December twentieth, yeah, yeah. and that was like really kind of a Q and A, questions and answers on you know why the church must gather. And, uh, and there was a moment when I was declaring the authority 
the exclusive sovereign authority of Christ over his church as Amen. head of the church, where uh, a spontaneous conviction came over me that 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 resulted in me pounding the pulpit and I, I was tempering it. So even on video, I don't even know. It may it may not seem that powerful, but inside, I mean, it was it was blazing it reverberated fire. Oh, yeah. And yeah. uh yeah, I mean the the authority of Christ, the headship of Christ, the lordship of Christ. Those are those are matters that are worth dying for. Amen. And, uh, yeah. Amen, brother. Amen. Um, and then it was it was it, that that following you know following that December twentieth sermon that you guys uh, you said you were sitting down at dinner and um, you were on the news and they they, they pulled the the perfect clip um, for, for from your sermon where. Um, in the clip, um, uh, or, or you know what what they said. See, the, they said the news anchor uh, introduced the clip by saying this quote in his December twentieth sermon. Pastor James Coates of Grace Life Church questioned who had the authority to lead the church and and to decide how or if they can gather. Um, and 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 the the quote that they used, I, I'm going to read it here just because I I think it's 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 crucial for every professing believer in the Lord Jesus Christ to understand this. You said this. You said so. Who is the head of the church? Not Caesar. Not Jason Kinney. Not Dina Henshaw. Not the lead pastor. Not the elders. The Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And and that was the clip they used, man. So. <laughs> That was, I mean, what a statement. I mean, they're thinking, okay, we're going to get him. We're going to expose, we're going to expose him. And and that was the perfect clip that they could have chosen. Yeah. And they are probably trying to paint me as some kind of loose cannon or, you know, like some sort of radical terrorist or something. Um, But, and, and, and when that came in, like I was feeling it, it was like a Monday night and we were having supper and my sermon was going viral. I mean, Tim Stevens had said to me that day or the day before, but I think it was that day, you're the most hated man in Alberta. And, <laughs> and, and so I was just kind of like, oh boy, this is, this is going to be like, what are we getting into here? And when that clip came, uh, man, did that put wind in the sail, just reinvigorated mm. us. Cause now it's like, okay, this is the Lordship of Christ is going to be heralded. And, and it, just a, a side note too, in my notes for that statement, Jason Kenny, our premier, and Dina Hinshaw, the medical uh, chief medical officer of health, were not in my notes. Those were it. those were extemporaneous ads in the moment. Love it, and uh, yeah, just the Lord it was a moment. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, so, brother, moving moving kind of towards um, you know the the section um, that you get into uh, in the book is the battle, you know, the battle begins and, um, th- th- is, is what we're talking about right now. And, um, you know, so the, the, one of the, one of the, one of the things in here that I love, and, and I just want to point this out and I know you'll appreciate this too. Um, uh, January 23rd, 2021, you said the next day I was on the phone with James kitchen who, uh, he was on with us with Aaron. Um, and you asked him how likely is prison time? And, um, you know, would they, re- and you were asking yourself these questions in your, in your head, would they, re- I mean, would they really jail a pastor? And without hesitation, he said, pretty likely. And then I love what you put in here, Sila. 
pause and meditate. I could hear Dr. Lawson saying <laughs> say that. Yeah, you almost have to like, you almost have to put that in quotes and cite yes. Lawson in that moment. <laughs> um, right. That's totally his influence for sure. Yeah. And then, you know, and then th- this is when, you know, the, the prison time really, that conversation really started and you asked him how long and, and he'd said a couple of months and, and brother, I mean, t- talk about, man, this is, this is where, again, man, I said this at the top. I appreciate your vulnerability here um, because I mean, th- this is, this is a very real thing that you're experiencing and um, man, just, just talk about how, how that affected you, man. What, 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 what was that like on you physically and mentally and emotionally um, when, when, when you guys, after you guys had that conversation? So for me, Saturday is sermon writing day. I've been studying right. typically all week and come Saturday uh, it's time to write, if not like the body of it, sometimes the whole thing. And uh, and so I, I probably talked to James Kitchen at sometime after noon, after 12 p.m. And mm. and I still had not started my sermon. Mm. So 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 that alone, like for the preacher out there who can rec- you know, who can sympathize that right. alone, you would be feeling quite a bit of pressure that the deadline is coming you're behind the eight ball so there's already that going on right plus you're in the context of this battle that's gone on for you know over a month now so there's that mm-hmm. going on and, right. and so the impact that i was already under the gun with was significant well when when james kitchen my lawyer drops that bomb um yeah, like pretty, pretty significant. I mean, I, I, uh, I had, I get migraines from time to time. So I had a mm. migraine kind of brewing and, um, you know, I had to leave my study. I wasn't going to be able to start my sermon right then. I, I needed right. to digest this. I'm in our, I'm in our master bedroom and yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to like bear up under the weight of what I am, I'm, I'm facing and the physiological effects of it significant. I mean, I, I remember it was difficult to even stand on my own two feet, mm. you know, um, the, the pressure, the, yeah, anxiety, the, uh, you know, uh, I think fear, you know, all kinds sure. of, of emotions that are being experienced all the while knowing that I, I can't bypass this. Like there's, right. I can't, it's not like, okay, well, let's just like pull the plug. Right. It's not like I can get right. on email and, and say, guys, we're not meeting tomorrow. You know, it, like it's already done. Like we've already established this. And, and, yep. you know, so I, I, it's just dealing with, you know, what, what I'm about at the cup that I'm about to drink. Yep. And, you know, it took a couple of hours, but, you know, I got horizontal. So I'm just lying in bed and praying and asking the Lord to help. And, Mm. Uh, he just ministered to me in that time and, and brought me to the place where it's like, you know what, if this is going to result in my imprisonment, so be it. I mean, I was already aware of the possibility that it could go in that right. direction, but, but right. this was getting to a level of reality that was probably a little more real than I had been even thinking at that point in time. And so, uh, yeah, it was significant. And, uh, and I ended up getting back in the study, sitting down and, doing the work necessary to preach. And it was an amazing text. We were in John 10 mm. and the good shepherd, you know, yeah. wow. Um, wow. what an amazing, you know, chapter to be in providentially. 
And mm-hmm. uh, I'm pretty sure I packed a bag of clothes in the event mm. that I was going to go to jail. You know, I'm, I'm one of those guys. I don't really want to wear my suit to jail, you know? So, <laughs> right. so if they're going to, if they're going to take me in, I'm going to, I'm going to change. And right. Uh, and anyway, yeah. So pretty, pretty heavy. It was the weightiest Saturday ever for sure. Mm. Well, brother, and, and they didn't, you know, they didn't arrest you that, that Saturday. Um, and, um, which, which, which was good. Um, and, um, so brother, let, let, let's talk about, man, let, let's talk about your arrest. Um, that was, uh, you were arrested and served February 7th of 2021. Um, so man, just, uh, j- j- just walk us through that, man. What, 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 what that process was like and, um, you know, that they, they, they wanted you, well, I'm going to, I'm going to stop. I'm, I was going to keep going, but I, I, I want you to talk about it. Um, yeah. And you just reminded me, let me clarify. I did not bring clothes that day because that at that point, going back to the, the, the Saturday we were just talking about, we were going to defy a court order. So to be held in contempt of court would have required being brought to court and held in contempt. And then the judge would have had to have sentenced me to a certain period of time in jail. So, so so the truth is I was not looking at like, jail as an imminent reality at that right. particular point it would have taken at least a few days if not a week for that to come to fruition but um but yeah i mean from there we uh we just continued to meet and um at a certain point on it was february the 7th mm-hmm. hs didn't come in right. only the rcmp and and that was different because up to that point in time, AHS was coming in. They were the ones that were that were leading the investigation. With the RCMP coming in without AHS, that changes it symbolically because now right. the RCMP is in the driver's seat. So that that just escalates things as far as you know the the direction this is going, the complexion it's taking, and uh, and so following that 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 February seventh uh, service. Uh, they wanted to arrest me, yeah, and uh, and so it was kind of like, when do you want it to happen, right? Um, and I'm like, well, like let's just get it over with now, you know. Um, I can't remember exactly how it was the book is going to be clear because I've yeah. I've written it and everything else, but I can't remember exactly how our chairman propositioned it to me, but um, no, you're right, you're right in what you said because. Um, the, after the service, uh, the, the chairman who was a, he's a former RCMP officer yes. himself, um, that you would be served with an undertaking. Okay. Um, yes. and rather, and, and, I, and by the way, I'm the same way. Like if you're going to do it, just do it. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't want to have to wait. Like if this is going to happen, you know, get 10 minutes and let's go. Um, and, um, and then they were, com- they, they came back to the facility in 15 minutes. Yeah, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I understood the undertaking as being an arrest at that particular point. Right. Um, But I, I was, I would think I was pretty clear I wasn't going to be taken into custody. So they came and they placed me under arrest, served me with the undertaking, released me in the same moment. Um, I was given a condition that I was supposed to comply with the Public Health Act, which, of course, that that's been that was the whole that was the whole that was the whole thing that was the whole thing, and so. With my chairman there, and and Aaron was there, and uh, some of our elders in development, I just say, yeah, I can't sign that. I can't agree to those terms. And so that's fine. They said they were very cordial. Uh, they wrote in, refused to sign, mm-hmm. and but nevertheless, the document was still binding on me. 
And, uh, and they said to us, they were like, you know, uh, we'll be back next Sunday. Uh, and, and that just, just signaled they knew we would be back too. So, um, so yeah, I mean, even the way that happened, apparently legally, it shouldn't have gone down that way. Apparently mm. they should have served me with the undertaking, you know, placed me under arrest. And if I had, if I had refused the condition, I should have been brought to a JP and then the JP would handle it. But they did what they were doing. It was all, they're just trying, they're using tools to try and get us to comply. Yep. And yep. Uh, obviously we weren't going to do that. So we met the following Sunday. I preached directing government to it, to its duty. So my second sermon on Romans 13. And um, and then it was, uh, it was after that service, I found out they wanted me to turn myself in on the Tuesday, which was kind right. of them because had they arrested me that day, taken me into custody, I would have been in a cell at the RCMP until Tuesday because the uh, Monday was a holiday. And, right. and so I wouldn't have been able to get to a GP and a JP until then. So they, they uh, let me sleep in my bed for, you know, uh, two more nights. And, and then I turned myself in on Tuesday mm. and was uh, arrested again and, and placed in a cell. Yeah. Yeah, man. And w- one of the things you point out in the book, and I think it's crucial uh, for, for any, in, anybody to, uh, any to anybody to remember is you said it, it occurred to me um, that the way the law was being used against me is similar to what will happen to those who go into the final judgment without Christ. This caused me to grieve, to both grieve for those who reject Christ and to rejoice in the forgiveness of my sin. A person who is justified by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone will never experience the weight of God's moral law like that. And then you quote Psalm 32, verse 1, how blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Um, Amen, brother. And that is, I mean, even... Even in that moment, man, what the, the Lord is the Lord is ministering to your heart, especially with what you're about to go through. Um, you know, so so they 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 um, you know they they arrest you, and again, they want you to sign this condition. And one of the things that you put in here is the hard part was not signing it. The hard part was you know with dealing with the implications of what it meant to not sign it. Um, but brother, again, you, you had already resolved. Um, that, Hey, I mean, th- this is a matter of the Lordship of Christ over his church. I w- I'm, I'm not going to bend in this as, and, 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 and I won't. And so, I mean, it's, it's an integrity issue and, and brother, it's, you know, for, for, for those out there who would say, you know, all you had to do, all you had to do. No, it, it, it's an integrity, your witness for not signing it by not signing it, because you knew you weren't going to be able to keep that also speaks volumes to, to what Christ has done in you. Um, and, and, and integrity, right? I mean, yeah. So here, here are my options. I sign it and I either a go home and grace life continues to gather. So I'm going to stay home and comply with my bail condition while grace life continues to defy the governing authorities. I wasn't going to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, that, How could a shepherd, you know, abandon his sheep like that? Uh, So I, I either sign it and stay home. I sign it and single-handedly impose my bail condition on the church. So now the church must comply because I'm going to be there. I'm going to preach, but, but it's going to have to be in compliance. So I, yeah. I would be single-handedly imposing that on the church, which I wasn't going to do. I mean, that's like no longer you functioning in the context of a plurality of elders at that point. I, I'm, right, basically, right. I'm basically dictating the terms of worship to the church mm. um, or I'm going to sign the condition and, and, 
go and have a service anyway, which is like, I mean, a lack of integrity, right? You're, you're saying you're going to, by assigning the condition, you're agreeing to the terms and then you're yep. going to go and not, not comply with that. That's you're not, you're not keeping your word and you just exponentially increase your legal trouble at that point in time because right. you just violated a bail condition. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I was placed in, there was no option, right. But to sign that condition or to not sign that condition. And so I, I, I couldn't sign it. Well, and brother, they tried to get you to do everything inside too, to get you to sign it. I mean, you talked about how the isolation that, that, I mean, everything that they did when you were first, when you were first in, uh, in the remand facility, like that they would, there was a lot that was done and said to you to try to get you to break. Yeah. And I I didn't know some of the stuff that was going on. What was that was just that, that they were trying to do that. But I mean, yeah, I, I had higher ups in the the jail uh, come to me and make sure I understood that I could I could just sign this thing and walk out. And and why aren't you doing that? And, you know, I, I had people being sent to me daily to check in. Are you sure you don't want to sign? So they were coaxing me that way. I had uh, a member of federal parliament contact me and spend 20 minutes basically trying to to persuade me. To, uh, to to sign, I the, the premier of our province had one of the officers bring me a phone number for a clergyman in our province, wanted me to call him. And then that guy, no doubt, was going to try and get me to sign. Yeah, I mean, there was isolation taking place, all kinds of stuff that they were doing to try and get me to sign. But but that's where they, they think they're dealing with the flesh. Like, mm. they, they think they're like... I'm living out a spirit fueled resolve in obedience to Christ. That's right. Amen. So, so all of that, I mean, was like nothing, you know, like yeah. all the stuff they were trying to do that they thought was going to make it more difficult for me to, 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 to be there. I, I didn't hardly noticed it. I, you know, mm-hmm. it was only in hindsight that I realized, oh, okay, like they're actually trying to get me to crack. And, uh, and so I think they came to the realization that, okay, this guy's not going to sign. We're going to have to change his condition. And yeah. things began to, to move at that point. And, and brother, I think that also speaks to, you know, the, the point, and, and um, I want to get into this in a few minutes, but the, the, the point is in, in what you were doing is not to be um, a, a political revolutionary. You know, the, the point, the point of what you were doing has eternal significance, not temporal significance and temporal change. It does affect things temporally, absolutely. Um, but this was an eternal conviction based upon the living word of God, um, based upon the, the spirit of God testifying inside of you and encouraging you and ministering to you. This was, a, and you you worded it wonderfully, a spiritual conviction um, that that is not going to change. That that's going that is immovable because of where it comes from. Um, amen, brother. And that's um, yeah. <laughs> see, see, John Bunyan. Right. Exactly. Right? 12 yes. years. I mean, yeah. we're talking 35 days in my case, you know, the, the same, I, I think, you know, initially when the comparison between myself and John Bunny was being made, I'm, I was kind of like a little bit uncomfortable with it, but as yeah, I, yeah. I, I got more familiar with like the, the nature of his stand. I'm going like, it's basically the same conviction. Like it's mm. all of the same raw material that needs to be there uh, was there in, in both of the stands that we took his stand took him 12 years. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I was 35 days. He was 12 years. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that is an immovable conviction. Right. And yep. um, yeah. 
It's crazy. Amen, brother. Amen. Um, well, man, you know, kind of talk about uh, one of the things that you got into at the breakout um, from Shepherd's Conference, and then and then you did in, in the book as well. Is man, so so what you experienced um, there. I mean, why, while you were in prison, I mean, the ministering that you did, um, you did have your Bible. Um, that was one of my questions for Aaron. Um, when I found out you were arrested, I was like, please tell me he has his Bible, please. I'm praying. And she's like, yes, he's got his Bible. I'm like, okay, thank God. Um, uh, so man, talk, talk about that. What, what you experience in there? And then what was it like leaving? Um, yeah. when, when to tell, tell that story, man, that's an incredible. Well, story. So let me be clear. I had my Bible when I first got to the RCMP. But when I got transferred to Edmonton Remand Center, Maximum Security Prison, they yep. wouldn't let me bring my Bible in. Oh, and, wow. Okay. And so I didn't have my Bible initially, but there was a chaplain who took good care of me. There were two of them, actually. Uh, the first one brought me um, a Bible. And I think the first one was a King James. And, uh, and, and then um, I kind of asked him if he had a New American Standard. And, yeah. uh, and he did pre-update. Nice. So it was, it was pre okay. pre 95 update. So I'm like, all right, you know, close enough, you know, that's right. That's and, right. Uh, and so I, I, I definitely was not without the scriptures in there. And, um, and so I had, uh, there was a time when I had the cell to myself in my, in my quarantine, which apparently they were doing to make it harder to be there. Little did they know that that was actually better. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I, being on your own, the, the, the time and prayer and the word that you Oof. can engage in is different than when, I don't know about you, but I like to be in my prayer closet alone. You know yep. what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. So, yep. Um, so anyway, so there were certainly times in the word and prayer, um, sweeter when I was on my own, tougher when I had a cellmate, though he was good to me and we had a good thing going on. I'd read mm. him scripture and that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, there were lots of opportunities to minister to, to guys in prison. They were just coming to me because they knew who I was because I was in the paper they were reading and they were right. hearing me on the, the radio, the talk radio uh, mm-hmm. news loop that was being uh, pumped into the, the cells. So they knew who I was. They were coming to me and I, I was able to uh, even lead a Bible study in the Gospel of John. And uh, so, yeah, the guys wow. were, were largely, you know, very you know, kind to me. And that that's expressed to in the exit when I, I, I was kind of wondering what it was going to be like when I left because my leaving was so public. And, and, and so when I had my court hearing in the morning, um, by the time I got into my cell, they were already talking about my release on the radio. So, you know, mm. everyone knew that that was going to be the day. And, uh, and so anyway, I got called out of my cell to go and, and, and spend some time with one of the chaplains and, and even at that point, they started to think that I was going and I could hear some ruckus coming from the cells right. um, on my floor. But I got down to the first floor and I'm, I'm spending time with the chaplain. And while we're talking, they say, Coats, you're leaving. So, so I, 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 you know, we stand up. We're having a handshake. He's praying for me. I go up, get my bag and I come down and I'm saying goodbye to my floor because my floor was on exercise at that point in time. And as I head toward the door, there is like, you know, uh, a ruckus, like a, a banging of doors coming from the, the cells. And, mm. and I turn around and wave and the place just shook, you know, wow. um, just an epic moment. And I, I've kind of described it as like a, a Hollywood moment, you know, like yeah. it's that kind of a moment. Yeah. And uh, I looked over at the guards and I could see that they were visibly impacted by the moment. In fact, 
we've had guys um, end up working with them. So uh, one of those guards left the remand center, got a job and was working, is working with a guy in our church. And wow. his story of the, of what happened is identical to mine. Wow. And, uh, yeah. It just really impacted him. The chaplain was there. So he saw it. He said, he'll never forget it. And so just kind of an epic moment. And then you get out of the pod, the door closes. And from that point on, it's just awful because mm. you're treated like property in jail. And it's just a very dehumanizing experience. Um, even the way you change out of your clothing and, and into your, the clothing you came with and everything, yeah. like it's just a very dehumanizing experience on the way out. So the, the sweetness of that moment was quickly um, overcome by the, just the, the darkness of what it's like to be in prison. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, um, uh, and we talked about it before we started, but that was one year ago today. Yeah. This is the anniversary in God's this providence. Unplanned. Unplanned. Yeah. We did not. Um, yeah. We, we didn't plan this when we set this up. So. A year ago today was the release. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. And so, uh, man, you, you, you walk out, you see your family, of course, that, that there are pictures of that. Um, all over the place. And I, I, I posted uh, one of them today, actually, just because it, it was a year ago today. Um, so, so brother, um, you know, after that, um, man, I mean, things, things kept, kept going for you guys, as far as the heat that the government was putting on you. Um, you know, it wasn't, wasn't long after that before, um, you know, you, you, you get a, it was a text you got right from, from somebody that the, the alarms were going off and there were some people inside your building who shouldn't have been. Yeah. So I get back for one Sunday and for the entire time that we had met while I was in prison, no attempt to access our building. Right. But then my first Sunday back, they're trying to get in and uh, there's video of our guys keeping them out and using section 176 of the criminal code to do it. And, mm -hmm. uh, and we yeah, were able to that. keep them out, but I did get word like, like in that room, just after praying with the music team, I got word they're trying to come in. And, and so I'm in that room going like, man, I can't believe they're trying to come in right now. And I just got out of jail. So that, you know, it's still a bit raw, you know, as far as sure, like, I'm not sure. trying to go back in a hurry and here they are trying to get back right. in. And, and, uh, and so I, and I'm, I'm about to get into the pulpit and like talk to my congregation for the first time since being released. And yeah, it was a pretty, pretty, you know, just, weighty moment but um mm. but we kept them out we had a guy pastor mike hovland who was our associate pastor before jake he preached an epic sermon from ephesians one just yes, heralding he the, the authority of christ and and uh and so we 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 worshiped and and just kind of went into the next week well come wednesday morning the texts start to flow in and our administrative guys going like they're they're changing the locks so, so the alarms start going off. His phone's lighting up. He can go on and look at the cameras, see that they're changing locks. They're inside the building. Yeah. So they, they take over our building, change our locks, and then put three layers of fencing over the property. And I mean, it's just something out of China. The way that they did that is just I, awful. I thought of Red Dawn, right? <laughs> That's, I mean, it looked, I mean, three, three, three fences up around the building. And uh, so they didn't just, want us to meet like on the so there's some grassy area that we could have right. met outside our building and they just wanted to like rule that out so they just they just yeah i mean it was like 24 hours surveilled they had they had security and everything just 
you know, just disgrace, really a disgraceful thing. Absolutely. Well, I'm so and, in the 21st, in the 21st century, you had a church in North America go underground. Yeah, we went underground. And, and that first Sunday was a, was a, a moment, you know, um, we were in a, a shop and uh, just singing our hearts out to the mm. Lord. There's audio of that somewhere. And um, yeah, I mean, we just, we just sang out to the Lord and, and began to function as the underground church going from location to location. There was a, a really close call one yep. Sunday that had we met at the same place and not moved, we likely would have been arrested. And, um, and that same Sunday, Tim Stevens uh, was arrested right. the first yeah. time. Mm. And so they, uh, they continued to pursue us, but we kept moving around and, uh, and had some really sweet times worshiping the Lord together under the blue sky yeah. um, in, in, out in the elements, you know, yeah. to the extent yeah. that we almost want to, try and work that in annually, you know, like <laughs> right. just, we're going to go and worship, you know, over here on this Sunday and have a, a relived kind of um, tribute to, to that time underground. Amen, and, brother. Uh, and then we got our building back on July 1st, Canada day yep. and met for the first time in it again on July 4th, independence day. So, um, and, and I've been back in our facility ever since. Yeah, brother. Wow. Wow. So man, and you guys, man, t- talk about too, man, what, what have you guys experienced as far as growth? Yeah. I mean, growth's been, um, just, just out of this world really. And, uh, so we've, you know, we've had some Sundays over 900, about four of them now. And, uh, wow. So, you know, you don't know for sure if that number is going to remain consistent, but you sure. know, if it does, that's almost tripled in size. And, um, you know, it's interesting. There was a gentleman in Big Eva recently who made a comment responding to the whole notion of a church growing uh, through COVID because we kept our doors open and um, and kind of taking exception to that. And, and so mm. what are we supposed to do? Send them away? Like, so we, we have the conviction to keep our church open. We're not trying to grow numerically. We're just trying to be faithful. No. We do yep. that. Yep. And people come. Are we supposed to send them away? You can't come here. I mean, so it's just a strange way to think about it, but yeah, we've, we've grown and, and there's challenges that come with that, you know, we're Absolutely. doing two services and, uh, and that's, that's a challenge because we, we don't just stack the services back to back and usher mm-hmm. one group in and another group out because that mm-hmm. would destroy fellowship. Right. So we, it's a long day, um, you know, getting to church at, uh, eight and not mm-hmm. leaving until 4 PM. Yeah. And, uh, it's a, it's a heavy, long day, taxing day, but, um, you know, it's for the Lord's church. It's for the building up of the body of Christ. It's Amen. for, um, for his glory. And so, yeah, we're, we're, we're plugging away and just, just trying to add to our pastoral staff now and, and right. make sure that we've got enough bandwidth to accommodate the, the increase in the spiritual needs that are now among us. And, mm. um, and we need we need a new building. We need a we need, yeah. we need a, a bigger building. So really early on in that, really preliminary in that, but we want to pursue that yeah. and build a building that would allow us to be in one service again. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. Wow, brother. I mean, in, incredible, in, incredible story, man. So what, man, give us some, as we're, as we're coming to you know, the end of our time, uh, as far as recording, man, so man, give us, give, give us some encouragement, man, to the believers out there. Um, uh, as far as, as far as the importance of the gathering, 
Um, but then man, some, some pastoral encouragement for man, for what may or may not be coming in the future for the church in North America. Yeah. I think people got to find a solid local church where the word of God is being preached and where, uh, the, 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 the leadership and, and in particular, the preaching pastor is living out what he's preaching. Yeah. Um, you know, I think back to the battle that we went through. And I preach like Daniel three, for example, uh, mm-hmm. the Sunday after December 20th. And I, I, th- I looked at those texts and in light of where we were as our church in our battle, mm-hmm. had we not taken the stand that we did, I, I feel like I would have had to shy away from those portions of scripture for the rest of my ministry. Because mm-hmm. when I had my Daniel moment or my Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego moment, um, I, I, I didn't stand, you know, I didn't yeah. defy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so I think folks need to find a solid Bible preaching church where the leadership is, um, is, is practicing what they preach. And, and yeah. those folks who find those churches need to cultivate daily obedience and faithfulness to the Lord. And that means pursuing personal holiness. That means mm. putting sin to death. It means, um, it means starving the flesh of its desires refusing by the spirit's power to carry out the desires of the flesh. Uh, that's going to be critical because if you can't be faithful in the little things, it's going to be very difficult to be faithful in the big things. Yes. And so folks need to tend to the prosperity of their own soul in walking in faithful obedience to Christ. And, you know, as far as pastors are concerned, um, they, they've got to be, um, they've got to be standing in those moments that are given to them now. I mean, I can look back at mm. our church and the battles that we had in our church battles for the truth battles for biblical ministry and, and they're hard and they're difficult and they're, they're, they're heart wrenching. Right. Um, but you just can't move. You got to be gracious and gentle, but you cannot move. You, you need to continue to put one foot in front of the next. And so mm. Those, those, those challenges that arise in ministry cannot be characterized by compromise. They, they need to be characterized by faithfulness. And as pastors Amen. are faithful in every aspect of their life and ministry, they're going to be able to navigate these difficult seasons that arise heading into the future. And they'll take the, the, the right stand because they'll be taking a stand on the very convictions and principles they've been cultivating in their life and ministry well ahead of that. And so it's not so much that you have to kind of prepare for this epic moment of resolve. Um, You just need to, you just need to, to tend to the resolve of each day and being faithful in the ministry that you have. And and that will take care of the epic moment that may or may not be in the future. Amen, brother. Wow. 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 Um, I I can think of no better place um, to, uh, put it as, as Aaron likes to, likes to remind me a period close quote moment, um, <laughs> at the, uh, at, at the end of that man. Amen, brother. Amen. Um, uh, well, bro, thank you so much. I know, uh, you know, you guys, uh, you guys have a lot going on. So I appreciate your time and, um, brother, I just, I appreciate you. I love you. I love your family. I love your church and, um, uh, Lord willing, I would love, um, to, to get, to grace life on a, on a Lord's day and, um, and, and, and worship with you guys. So, um, 
you guys, um, I'm going to put a link to uh, where to where to you know tune in to, and and listen to uh, uh, James's sermons, where to get your copy of the book, um, and um, and brother, know that uh, know that my family, from my family of yours, we love you guys. We're praying for you constantly, um, and uh, man, thank you so much for your time today, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me, man. Appreciate you, all your support. Love you too. And um, yeah, praying for you guys right now. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. Thanks again, man. You too. Good day.